Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. This is a podcast where we dissect, analyze, and discuss the deeper meanings and themes of some of our favorite comics over a cup of coffee while also attempting to become coffee connoisseurs in the process. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Jerry E, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. In this episode, the coffee that we will be testing and trying out is a coffee called Burundi Ngozi from the country of Burundi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and it's, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too because I just went right through it. And um, yeah, let's, let's just hope so. It is brewed by Propeller Co- Coffee Company. And the comic we'll be discussing today, it is a big one. It is probably the biggest one of all the Dark Knight's uh, tie-ins. It is called The Batman Who Laughs. I didn't say the Joker who laughs this time, so that's a, that's a win already. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get into any of that, there are a couple of big things that are happening this weekend. Um, but first, let's let's catch up with you. Uh, what have you been up to, Victor? Uh, you know what? My week's been pretty quiet up until yesterday when they released the trailer for Infinity War. The second one. Not was the, that yesterday or the day before? I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Was it? Oh. Well, either way, either way. That was such an awesome trailer. Oh, so good. So, so good. It brought everybody that I was hoping to see. It brought in everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, even the people you didn't hope to see are there too. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, everybody. Like, this movie must have costed, like, a billion dollars to make. Something along those lines. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, if if one of those, if any of those uh, MCU movies from before, like needed any sort of budget this is just an amalgamation of all of it oh yeah they, they need to pay everybody it's crazy the, oh, yeah. the amount of star power they got on the screen is crazy but it also took them 10 years to get to it right so, yeah of course yeah yeah but that's what makes it so good is because the build-up is there right you know what i mean like they yeah. they they took the time and developed the stories and the tie-ins correctly yeah exactly yeah right unlike justice league unfortunately <laughs> which you know they kind of just anything. threw everyone together Unlike anything done by DCEU. Uh, ooh. You know what? Wonder uh, Woman was good. On its own. But it, it doesn't yeah. have... It 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 has a benefit of being released before Justice League. Yeah. So it at least, when you watch Justice League, you're like, okay, I get this character. Which is what Marvel's been doing for 10 years. Yeah. So it's kind of unfortunate that they're not... They see a formula that works. I don't know why they're just not going for it. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to start doing the formula now. Yeah, DC's really gonna take another ten years to 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 do the whole process. I don't know, man. Yeah, but I'd rather them cut down on the amount of years they need to do it. They release one movie a year. They get five members in the Justice League. In five years' time, they release Justice League. That's what twenty 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 three. Yeah, I guess I take that. Yeah, but even even still, like I don't even know if that would be enough character development either way, because before Infinity War came out. Each character, with the exception of Black Panther and Doctor Strange, has had two or three movies under their belt already. You know what I mean? So there's already so much character development for the bigger characters. Yeah. So when you watch a movie like Infinity War, it just makes sense. Yeah. Because you already know what's been going on. It's also the the third like it's also like the third Avengers movie. So they've already had like screen time together. Yeah. Right. So that but I'm I'm more so comparing to Phase One Marvel when yeah. they just did the first Avengers. Yeah. Right. That was still good, and each one of those characters only had one movie under their belts, with the exception of Iron Man at the time. That was that was after Iron Man yeah. Two. So I would have much rather see DC go through that process. Yeah. Because in Justice League, they they threw a bunch of characters on screen at one point. We're just like, oh, I 
I'd be curious to already have seen them first before this scene because the scene doesn't hold any weight after that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it is what it is. What about you, Jerry? What have you been up to? <laughs> I um, So I've been preparing for the for the Comic-Con this weekend. So oh, this will be the first boy. ever Comic-Con where we get to attend while the show is on. Yeah. <laughs> while the show is yeah. So that's pretty cool. We can talk about the Comic-Con for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this this one coming up this weekend. So it's actually happening right now as we speak. It's the uh, Toronto Comic-Con. Yeah. So it's not the big one that happens in the fall, not the uh, Fan Expo, but it's yeah. under the same family. Yeah. So it's called the Toronto Comic-Con. There's some pretty big guests that are there. And just right now, looking at the looking at the list of the guests, it doesn't look like... I mean, there's a few that cancel, but some big names are still there, like uh, Manu Bennett. All I care about is Hodor. Uh, is Hodor there? Hodor is there. Hodor is there. Hodor, Hodor is, there. is here. Hodor is there. Um, John Wesley Ship. Yeah, yeah. That he's there. Um, so that's pretty cool. The original Flash. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, there's some good, uh, good writers and artists there too. So I probably can bring some books down to get get them. Hopefully, get them signed. Yeah. Uh, like Howard Chaikin's there. Ramon Perez. Dale Keown. Uh, yeah, just there are some good names like Michael Walsh. I love Michael yeah. Walsh's stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Mm-hmm. Just kind of preparing for that. Uh, looking forward to to going down to Comic Con. It's always fun. So uh, yeah, but uh, I think right now I'm getting a little bit thirsty. I'm gonna try to go and brew a little bit of coffee. I'm getting a little drowsy actually. I don't want to fall asleep during drowsy. the next segment. Oh okay. Well, you know what? It it, it hits it both ways. <laughs> it works. It covers regardless. both bases, it covers I guess. Both bases. Yeah. So uh, before we get into that, uh, why don't we go and uh, why don't we go towards our uh, coffee segment? That's it, man. It's coffee time. Coffee time. Okay, and welcome to our coffee segment where we try one of the coffees that are sent in to us and have it accompany us throughout our comics discussion. During this segment, we'll be trying to identify all of the different fragrance and flavor notes and see how well we did compared to the notes that are provided to us. Today, we have a coffee from Burundi called Burundi Ngozi, and it's been roasted by Propeller Coffee Company in Toronto, Ontario. So, as per usual, Jerry, start us off with the sniff sniff. <laughs> coffee woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, by the way, you know what? The pronunciation of that word, I, I really hope we got it right because I don't know if that N is supposed to be silent. Right. Or are we supposed to say Ngozi? I say Ngozi. Well, that's what I did. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's just Gozi. Oh, that... Yeah. We'll have to find that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Okay. Let's go. Yep. First sniff. What do we get? Um, okay. So when we were brewing it... And uh, actually, when we were grinding up the beans, yeah, the there was there was a there was a cocoa flavor to it, right? There was a chocolatey flavor to it. Well, chocolatey uh, fragrance, no fragrance, yeah, yeah. Fla- fragrance, yeah, flavor. Like I flavor, ate, the, like just, we, I just, just ate the, the bean. Just threw it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just grinding my teeth. Um, <laughs> the that flavor is still there. Okay, <laughs> fragrance. That fragrance is still there. Yeah. Um. So there's a bit of that, and okay. then there's on second sniff. And third sniff now. <laughs> Looking off into the okay. There's a bit of there's an earthy root to it. Okay, there's a slight earthy root to it. Okay, I'm not quite getting a fruit this time. I I don't know if there's a fruit this time. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm not getting the I'm not getting the fruit fragrance. Okay, maybe when we do the taste, yeah, it'll be there. But right now, I'm not. 
I'm not uh, I'm not getting it. Okay, it's interesting that you mentioned like when we were you know grinding it up because mm-hmm. in bean form and and then after we grinded it up, it, it was the profile changed. Yeah, pretty significantly in my opinion. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, let me go in on this and and let's see. The cocoa note is still there. I am actually getting a, a hint of the fruit of a fruitiness, though. You are, yeah. Like it's very, like it's like it's a very mellow fruit. Okay. Like a very mellow fruit. I'm not. I can't quite put my finger on it. I was. I was gonna say like maybe like a. Maybe like a white peach sort of. White peach. Yeah. Like a white peach. White peach. Yes. What's the difference between that and a regular peach? Well, a white peach is like the flesh is different, and is the, it? and the flavor is different. Oh, yeah. Well, I had no idea. Unless I'm like completely off the mark with my fruits. I don't. I've just never heard of white peach. You've never heard of white peach? No. Maybe I'm making it up. Let hold on. Let me. <laughs> okay. Let me, real quick, what is a white peach? Uh, in, <laughs> The golden flesh of the yellow peach is more acidic. The tartness and mellow, oh, with a tart, bleh, with a tartness and mellows as the peach ripens and softens. White flesh peaches are lower in acid and taste sweeter. Yeah, that's, that's so. Do you, are you getting more of the sweeter, I like th- a sweeter fragrance to it? I I think it's somewhere in between. Okay, it's somewhere in between, like a regular peach and a white peach. Right. Okay. I'm I'm leaning more towards a white peach. Hmm. Okay. I was actually gonna say. It's more mellow. So for me, if I were to pick a peach, yeah. like if this was a peach picking thing, yeah. it would be a yellow peach <laughs> for me. Peach pickers brought to you by Jerry and Victor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to me, it would be a yellow peach if I had to pick a peach. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going with white peach, by by all means, I actually didn't get any yeah. of the the fruit yeah, okay. notes to it. So, uh, Well, that's what I'm going to stick with in terms of fragrance. I'm going to stick with uh, like a cocoa chocolatey fragrance and a peach fragrance. Okay. I'm going with the root. Okay. Some sort of a root, but I can't pinpoint on it yet. That's all right. Um, well, let me pass it back on to you for the taste test. Okay. Let's do this. Instant 10 out of 10 mouthfeel. <laughs> what are we getting? So whatever the root fragrance was it's gone okay yeah <laughs> I, i'm not sure what triggered it initially but yeah i'm not i'm not tasting that at all right now okay so that earthiness to it is is gone in 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 the flavor profile of things yeah okay um there's yeah it's um it's it's fairly neutral okay the cocoa's still there i think the okay. cocoa is still there um, percentage wise, I don't know. We we've been all over the charts with percentages recently, yeah. like cocoa guessing. Yeah. So, but the yeah, I feel like the cocoa is still there, and I do agree there is some fruitiness to it. I just can't pinpoint what it is, but it is some. It's not something as acidic. Okay. So I wouldn't go with an acid based, um, like an. I wouldn't go with an acidic fruit. Okay. Yeah, but that's on. That's that's just me right now. Okay. Um, yeah, why don't you give it a taste test? Sure, yeah. Let me go for it. Go for it, Victor. Let me go for it. I don't know why we yell at each other. It's just that was weird. <laughs> I don't know. 
we do it so much in real life. <laughs> just just for, for no reason. We'll just, just for no reason. We'll just call each other and just yell at each other. Just, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, cocoa is still there. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite as bitter. Okay. I would say, like, if I had to give it a percentage, I'd right. say maybe like 60%. Okay. If I had to give it a percentage. If you had to. The fruitiness is still there too. I'm I'm still going to stick with my peach flavor on this one actually. Okay. Like a very it's a very very like small hint. Okay. But I do get like a bit of that like sweet sour combination from a peach. Okay. Huh. You know what? That's that's what I'm going to stick with. There, you know what? I do taste the earthiness now that I that now that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. I do taste the earthiness. Earthiness may be like a um Huh. We we never maca. get a maca? Maca. Maca root. Oh, I thought I, I, well, I thought we were talking about Gundams for a second. Like, you, you just want to talk about mecha suits. I was like, buddy, we're talking about coffees Sorry, right now. Mecha suits. Real quick. Uh, no, maca roots. Or, or is that how you pronounce it? Maca? Maca roots? Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's earthy. And it's, yeah. uh, it's got a little bit of a nut taste to it. Right. Right. So. Right. You know what that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You put it in smoothies to kind of give it some similar effects. Right. Right? So, yeah, for me, it's kind of a maca root. Like, if I were to take a guess at something real quick, it would be a maca yeah. root. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to stick with. For for me, uh, flavor profile, I'm going with the 60% cocoa, so not quite as bitter. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, like, a really tiny hint of like a, of, like, a peach, sort of. In between, like a yellow and a white peach. Okay. And uh, I like your answer with the with the me- the the mecha suits. Okay. <laughs> mecha. <laughs> yeah, for me it's um, for me it's a maca root, um, cocoa, and okay. um, let's see. You know, when in doubt, third flavor is always going to be lingonberry. Let's oh, go. Jesus. Let's go lingonberry. Okay. Oh jeez, Jerry. All right, ready? Well, because Link. Okay, let me let me defend lingonberry real quick. Why let do we defend, need to defend, let me defend lingonberry? Right lingonberry. Why do we need to do this? Because right lingonberry, now? it's got sort of like that tarty taste, but it's um, okay. <laughs> a little bit of sour, not nothing too sweet. Because I'm not getting much of the sweetness in here. Right. Right. So for me, uh, if if it's gonna have a maca root taste, then I might as well start throwing more exotic stuff in there. Or like an acai berry or a lingonberry. All right. So for me, I'm I'm taking my third guess at lingonberry. Please don't <laughs> let me down, lingonberry. Okay. Here okay. we go. Here's Here we go. Review. Here we go. Here we go. So the provided uh, flavor notes are dried apricot. Okay. So the, uh. the, that's where the peachiness is sort of there, right? Okay. Uh, uh, the one week I didn't guess apricot. <laughs> uh, the next one is fig. Fig, yeah. Okay, and the third one is a cranberry. So okay, you know what? No, no, don't even okay, don't you, do this okay. right now. Jerry. Hold on, hold on. They're, okay, experts say uh, that lingonberry is very similar to a cranberry. 
All right, you know what? I'll give it to you. Sure. Woo! I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll take one. I'll take one. Okay. But man, you know what? It actually felt like I whiffed on that one hard. Yeah, I don't think oh, we, for we, three. we didn't. We didn't, oh we didn't do too hot on this one. I don't think. But you know what? That's that's all part of the game, right? <laughs> it's all part of the game. <laughs> the okay. I'm just looking up figs real quick. Okay. Just wanted to see what kind of um, what kind of a flavor that the fig will give us. Right. It is. It's got a delicious aroma, a sweet flavor, and it has succulent, softly fibrous red or purple flash. Okay, that's not relevant, but it's um, yeah, it's got a, it's got sweetness to it. Okay, but I'm not sure why. Hmm. All right. Well, anyways. Well, that's what it is. Anyways, it's telling us it's figs. So I still think there's a maca in there, but I don't know. I could most likely I'm wrong. So well, better luck to us next time, I guess. Then right? Yeah, yeah. We whiffed on that hard. Like we we stepped up to the plate and forgot we were playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, why don't we move on to the comic section? <laughs> Let's do it. In today's comic segment, we're going to be talking about a book called The Batman Who Laughs. Usually in this segment, what we do is we take some of our favorite comic books and we break it down, we dissect it, and we analyze it, and we talk about it, and we openly discuss about some of the things that may not be so apparent on the surface, but just some of the themes that um, that the book is trying to cover and that the artist and you know, the artist and the writer maybe trying to get across to us. Uh, just some of the hidden messages, hopefully, that we're trying to discover. Um, so yeah, today's book is Batman Who Laughs. It is written by James Tunyon IV, with art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Placentia, and letters by Tom Napolitano. Our boy Tom. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate that he rounds off the final issue of... Um, the Dark Knight's tie-ins. It's only the, the Dark most, Knight's one-shot. It's only the most appropriate thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, he crushes it, nails it. Oh yeah, and uh, just just hits it out of the park. It's really well done. The te- the you can you can see the transition too. He does he does different types of transitions from the start of the issue yeah. to the end of the issue. That it just you can see you can see even just from the lettering the the changing mindset well, he does, of Batman. He does two significant changes in the lettering. Yeah, that make it. That make the transitions very apparent. Mm-hmm. It was so good when I first saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is genius!" Yeah, absolute genius. Yeah, really well done. Really yeah. well done. And couple that with the just superb artwork by Riley Rosmo. Oh yeah, that yeah. Uh, his his style is very his his drawing style is very cartoony. There's a there's yeah. a bit of a cartoony yeah facial features yeah, but it also brings out more of the emotions. Uh, brings up more, yeah. It brings up more exaggeration and emotions, but it uh, puts you more into a perspective of what they're feeling, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really well done. But uh, yeah, so the biggest thing that I'm getting out of this book, um, I know that initially when we looked at it, we um, that this was going to be a big book for us, a big topic for us. So yeah, we decided to dedicate an entire episode to it. Um, the big thing for me in this one is is Batman. Because in comparison to the other books, Batman has always had the mindset of turning evil. Yeah. Right? So he's always, deep down, he's always had some sort of restraint that he himself lets go of. Right. Right? So then he goes and he thinks that he's doing, 
he's doing the right thing. He's making the right the the right choices, uh-huh. and uh, he goes and makes that transformation himself. Which, when compared to the Earth Zero Batman, to to our Batman, to um, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really jive as well. Like you have to sort of leave it out for just for you know for belief. That, yeah. Um, he would make the transition, even though we know that the Batman we know doesn't won't ever go down that path. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is the first book where I thought Batman would would try to stay good, but there's an external force changing him and compromising his morals. Yeah. So, in a sense, would in a sense I tackled this book a little bit differently. It's not so much about Batman's own. Um, mindset going in it's about what the external forces are doing to him uh-huh. yeah so the biggest part of it is when he becomes the Batman who laughs right um, so he he basically goes and kills um, he's had he's had enough so he goes and kills the Joker uh, because the Joker is trying to recreate the trauma that he went through as a child right so then he's recreating it to a bunch of different families in uh, in crime alley yeah right well near crime alley so he's recreating the scene batman finally has enough snaps his neck so part of joker's final joke is that on his death he releases the toxin from his body yeah the talk the joker toxin right and the joker toxin then infects one more person before he dies uh-huh. and joker's wish and joker's plan is that it would corrupt the one man that is deemed ir- incorruptible incorruptible yeah so it corrupts Batman. It messes with his mind from the inside, and Batman's trying to fight it off, but it's it's rewiring his moral code, right? So it's rewriting his moral code and it's trans uh, transforming him closer to become the Joker, so that he would have that type of moral code. Yeah. Um. So, in a sense, his corruption came from the outside, and when it's all said and done, I feel like the Joker really just took over Batman. Right. Right. It's not so much Batman became the Joker. But when you really think about it, wouldn't you also apply that to a lot of the other Dark Knights as well? You know what I mean? Like Doomsday Virus that took over Batman. But it was still but it wasn't the But I guess he did that by choice. Right. Right. So he yeah. did the Doomsday Virus by choice. He can transform back at any time. Right. Um with the Doomsday Virus like we were saying, he's kind of like the scorn ex-girlfriend going yeah. around telling everyone what's going on. Listen, right? Superman's no good for you. <laughs> yeah, so he's going around telling everybody. Yeah. So he's making the choice that he's been betrayed. Yeah. So he wants to make sure nobody else would ever go through that. Yeah. Right? So to me, it's still him making the choice. Right. In this book, it's very much not Batman making the choice. Right. It's the code within him being rewired so that he's making choices that he normally wouldn't make. Right. Right? And he and he, he eventually can't control those choices coming out. See, this is where I get a little suspicious about this though. And I'm only suspicious because of the other Dark Knights okay. and how they went, right? My suspicion with this is that if Batman really wanted to figure out how to change or how to stop the uh, uh, the Joker from taking over his moral code, I feel like he really could have. You think so? Do you know what I mean? Like, like Batman's not a guy that that really gets stumped right. a lot. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe this is just a 
the exception situation because it's the negative universe mm-hmm. and it's meant to crumble. Okay. But my suspicion is is that he, at some point he just let it happen. You know what I mean? Like he it, it, he got infected. It started to change his moral code immediately. Mm-hmm. And then at that point there was just he just couldn't or just didn't want to change himself back. Okay. Or you could, but again, you could also argue that that was also under the influence as well. Right. You know what I mean? See, this yeah. is a complicated issue. <laughs> and this is why I think it, it's good that we're dedicating an episode to it, right? Because yeah. it's, I believe that he couldn't have controlled it. Right. So to me, he, he doesn't have the control. Right. Um. So you're saying that he's, he, even though it's like sort of a lack of control, but he kind of does like consciously, he's just saying, you know, whatever, take over me, you know, let it ride out type right. of thing. But yeah, to me, he really doesn't. He really doesn't know how to stop it, right? Yeah. And he he already he's already been rewired to a point where he would lie to his family, to the Bat family, oh, right? That was that was that was something else, man. <laughs> that that was that was where I kind of wish the artwork wasn't so good. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> just just the way that it was drawn, like it was like the 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 weight of what batman had done at that point yeah. was so apparent in the artwork like it was just like you he drew the gravity of it so well yeah and i was like yeah. oh my gosh like it and, really and he really drew like everybody was caught by surprise oh yeah right everyone was done for in that yeah, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah in that yeah. scene yeah and i'm glad i i think i think it would have really tore me apart if <laughs> if they went the direction of they did it the family's done but then Nightwing somehow still drew breath, and then he went and finished off Nightwing. That would have I would be like, oh my god, I'm done. But you, but you know that's what he would have done too. Though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that's what he would have done. Any exactly. of them survived, he would have finished them off. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad it was just sort of like a quick and sweet, take him out. Yeah. And it wasn't like uh, he's still like crawling on the ground, like yeah. you know. And then he goes and finishes him off. That would have been brutal. And and it's such a crazy scene because, and and this will go into one of my earlier points right okay or not earlier points but one of my later points <laughs> when i when i bring up any points but uh, <laughs> it was so it's it was so unexpected for everybody you know not just for the bat family uh but for us as the as the readers as well right right because i mean come on the the guy turns around and pulls out two mac 10s and, and just <laughs> smokes everybody yeah like i mean yeah. number one we know that Batman hates guns. Yep. Hates guns. Doesn't doesn't use them at all. Mm-hmm. This guy goes and pulls out two automatic weapons and just smokes the whole family. Yeah. Like there's no way that anybody, even if you saw it coming, would survive that. Yeah. Only it's just one of those things where where you know that at that point there was no redemption for Batman. Yeah. At that point. Because he was because his moral code was just was completely flipped around, and it was quick too. Yeah, that was a quick. That was quick. Well, he said that it was. Um, it took him a few weeks, right? Like one or two weeks, I think. I think it was maybe a week later. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I think it said a week later. But that's still. But it wasn't. It wasn't quick. immediate. Yeah. But it was. Uh, he like that. That was the part where I felt like he really did try to fight it off, because he didn't. He didn't invite them earlier. He didn't do all that. It was. It was later where he invited them in, and then well, there was also and then finally gave into it. You know, there was also that other part where, 
he was talking to Superman yeah. after killing the Joker. And Superman was telling him that, hey, you know, one of the psychologists tried to speak with one of the kids. Yeah. And the, the, the kid tried to basically bite her throat out. Yeah. And then Batman laughs. Yeah. Gives a, gives a little, huh. Right? Yeah. And at that point, I think at that point I knew, I was like, oh, this is, it's done. It's done. This guy's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's the, that's the uncontrolled part, right? We see yeah. it in the kids too, right? The kid just starts laughing. Yeah. When Joker first killed the kid's family, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that to me was kind of how I felt like Bruce really didn't mean to, to, to let the laugh out. Like it, it was just rewriting it. Yeah. Um, so actually, correction, uh, the Bat Family stuff only happened three days later. So you're right. Like it was yeah, fairly it was, quick. It was, it was, it was fairly quick. Because the Batman, um, the, the Superman stuff was two days. Yeah. Yeah. So the Superman stuff happened two days later. The Bat Family stuff happened three days. Yeah. It was like the day right after. Yeah. Yeah. So when that first laugh came out, a day later, he was done. Yeah. yeah. There's no he, he already had it all planned out. <clears throat> so that was brutal. And then a week after that, it was even crazier what happened. Oh yeah. When what it, the things that were happening in the um in the uh, the watchtower. Oh yeah. That was insane. Are we doing a spoiler um, a warning for this or uh yeah, you know what let's yeah. So yes spoiler <laughs> spoiler <laughs> warning. <laughs> I feel little, like we've we've already spoiled quite a bit. Yeah, we're a little far into but, it for a spoiler y- warning. But it is what it is. We love you guys. <laughs> um, I think this last part is really the part that completely drove him over the edge. So I'm going to put the spoiler tag in now yeah. for this spoiler. Um, because really what takes place after is just absolutely gruesome. Right? Yes. So skip over skip over a couple minutes. We're, we're going to cover this really briefly because I want to get to some of my points. Um, but in the Watchtower, you see everybody taken out. Everybody in the Justice League taken out. Yeah. So in the picture, you have Martian Manhunter, you have Flash. Oh, the, the Flash. way the way that Martian Manhunter looked in that in that panel. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It was just you. You don't know what Batman did to him. Like, what do they? What do you do to these guys? <laughs> like, holy smokes! Like, like even like the I don't even know what happened to the Flash. The Flash was all like mangled in a weird way. Yeah. Well, the Flash, I think he just got tied down. Oh, he okay. got tied down by Plastic Man. Right. So Plastic Man is all over the place. Right, right, just stretched out all over the place. Just and yeah. and what happened to Wonder Woman in that? I think she event? just died. Oh, like probably from brute force. Just oh, got punched or oh, stabbed that's, or whatever. That's rough. Uh, Red Tornado got taken apart. Oh yeah, that yeah, guy was so everywhere. That whole thing that went down was crazy. And then you see Batman toying with Superman and his family. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah, Batman then hands the black kryptonite. Which causes Kryptonians to to essentially lose their minds. Yeah, and then tosses it at Superman and Superboy, and then they 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 kill they each go, other. Yeah, they go to town. Yeah, and it was oh. and they just die immediately right after. Yeah, it was and it, it was, was and gruesome. it was a modified strain of Black Kryptonite too. Yeah, it was. So it was, it was yeah. more potent. Yeah. So and so, that yeah. was the part where one of the one of the lettering change happens. Yes. Yeah. That was when he completely changed into yeah the Batman who laughs. So. That was when that changes hap- that change happens, and it's yeah. that was it's it's crazy, yeah. And you see the suit changes too, yeah, exactly, right? yeah. which was which I thought was really cool, right? Yeah. You do you have like the regular Batman suit, uh, with the um with the yellow um mm-hmm. highlighting around the logo, um, 
and then right after when he's like intermediate it changes to green yeah right which i thought was and you can see that he's starting to to look a little bit slimmer as well in that photo because i don't know i don't know what it is about uh, maybe it's the toxin that that changes his his physical structure as well but he gets yeah he gets skinnier yeah right it starts to look progressively more like the joker yeah 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 for sure i'm just like how does this guy lose so much muscle mass in in like (laughs) a week and a half's time right like it's crazy yeah exactly yeah and then when he fully transitions into the batman who allows when he completely ditches the uh the bat symbol and he just starts wearing the just the ears uh, around his eyes like that was that was crazy in my opinion because it's just like he he's given up everything that's made in batman yeah at that point he's given up everything that's made in batman other than the knowledge and the skills that he's attained um throughout his journey of being batman until he became the batman who laughs yeah pretty much yeah but yeah, yeah. it's just it was just to me crazy they ditched everything that made him batman up until that point yeah so that's when the full transition happens where yeah like the joker completely takes over him yeah right so it's really just kind of the Joker in a bat suit, almost. Basically, yeah. Not and it's not even really a not bat even suit. A bat suit, yeah. It's like it's like, it's like Joker. Yeah, it's yeah. just black. Yeah. And even what he did to um to Damien too. Yeah. Like that was, I was like, oh, I, I was like, oh man, I didn't realize. <laughs> that was, that was so I didn't realize I was reading, The Walking Dead. Oh, this guy looking <laughs> pretty right. much when the Robins came out. You look like zombies, right? Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. Um. So yeah. Uh. Okay, so enough of the spoilery stuff. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it was me. I, I brought this on to ourselves. We went like <laughs> we went like sixteen minutes of just talking about spoilery stuff because it's so good. The book is so good. Oh yeah. We just wanted some time to talk about the book. Oh, but oh, yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, which is, do you think? Um, because to me, all the other books right now has Batman sort of portrayed as the man who, uh, sort of turned his back, right and. Um, what and and went on to make those decisions himself. So he became a murderer in those other, in those other books, those other right. tie-ins, right? Right. In this book, would you consider Batman to be responsible for his actions uh, after the takeover from Joker? I'm gonna say yes. Okay. And the reason, my reason for saying that, is because this all got triggered from the moment he decided he was gonna kill Joker. Okay. So this whole thing, regardless of how you look at it, it was based on his decision. Right. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he had just stuck to his guns and <laughs> stuck to his guns, <laughs> if he we're done, just... folks. <laughs> <laughs> if he had just stuck to his like usual moral code mm-hmm. and just you know locked him up or whatever, or tried his best to, like he was in a pretty bad spot at that point. You know, none of this would be happening, right? Because this all stemmed from the fact that he killed Joker, and in doing so, Joker released the toxin to Batman. Right. Right. So I would say, like, once you go down that path, man, you go down that path one way or another, right? So that's that's yeah. the way that I see it. Yeah. Um. So that actually brings up something really, really interesting. I, I read an article online. Yeah. And it's an article called "The Morality of Killing." by T. Goodrich. Okay. Uh, it was published back in April 1969. All right. And it talks about 
Um, and it talks about whether or not someone would be considered a killer. Mm, right? Okay. Um, and also whether or not it is right or wrong to kill. Right, right. Um, do you think in that instance it was right for him to kill the Joker? Uh, I don't know, Jerry. That's a tough question. Um, well, you also have to consider also what was at stake here. Right. Because Joker was not going to stop until every person was dead that was that was coming towards them. Right. Because that was the whole plan, right? Keep killing people and just have Batman watch him kill all these people until Batman found a way to stop him. Right. Yeah. Right? Like in that moment I didn't I didn't think Batman needed to kill him. Because he was already out of his restraints. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like he was out of his restraints. He could have very easily restrained the Joker at that point with something. Right. Right. And then stop the killing from there and and still keep the Joker alive. Right. And in essence, keep the toxins away from him. Of course, after killing him, he had no way of knowing that that was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. He wouldn't have known the the toxins were coming out because I don't think he knew he had the toxins in him. No. Like inside him. Yeah. In that moment, Batman acted out of emotion right he didn't act out of rational thinking yeah and i think unfortunately that's why he ended up on the road that this issue inevitably ends up going down. yeah yeah yeah. right so victor you were saying that you don't think you don't think batman at that situation should have killed him no no um but consider this okay if he doesn't kill him Right. If he doesn't kill the Joker, then inevitably the Joker will find a way to break out. Because the, he's going to be sent to Arkham. He's not going to be sent to a regular jail. He's sent to yeah. Arkham. So he's sent to an asylum. Right. Which he time and time again has found ways to break out. Right. He breaks out. He continues to kill more people. Would you put those mur- like those deaths on Batman? But isn't that... See, again, but there's no way of knowing that that's what he's going to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just assuming at that point he's going to kill. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there's tons of times where he's broken out and he hasn't killed anybody. He just goes and he just yeah, really but... annoys Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there, it's... I think, you, I think you can make the argument that when Joker breaks out, he will always find ways to ruin people around him. Around, yeah. uh, around Batman. Yeah. Um, in this particular instance, in this story, he went and, he went around and and killed people. Yeah, killed people in Gotham. Yeah. Um, in other stories, he either hurt the Bat family or yeah. he puts other innocents at risk. Yeah, may not end up killing them, but there, there's a risk of that, right? Yeah. Um. So if the if Batman doesn't put him down, there's always the risk of that happening. So then, would you put those risks and the consequences of those risks? Would you put that on Batman? Well, uh, I don't know, man. That's, that's, I mean, because here's the thing. It's not, no matter which way you look at it, it's not right to kill. Okay. Do you you know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, again, this is, this is now we're talking about the, um, the whole, uh, train track ethical situation. Okay. Yeah. Right. You, You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if like you have one person on one track and you have five people on another track, a train is coming. Are you and it's on course to kill the five people? Do you change the train track so it kills only the one versus the five? 
Right. Right? Like, there's no right answer for that question. It just depends on... It just depends on how personal it becomes at that point. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if... If Joker just goes and kills random citizens... Not to say that their lives are worth any less, but, I mean... Yeah, but... Okay, but... I, I think if... In th- in this situation is more so. It's it's not so much, uh, one or the other type of thing. Like I I feel like it's it doesn't really matter who's on the other end of it. Right. Um. If Joker is allowed to live and Joker goes on and kills more people, right? Regardless of who those end results are, those deaths are all on Batman. Yeah, and I and I think at that point, like, as superheroes, they they have to accept the fact that they're not going to be able to save everybody. Right. They just have to save whoever they can in the moment. But then would it, would you consider that be a justifiable reason to kill Joker? Like, would that make it right to kill Joker? Well, no, because then you, you can, you might as well use that justification for everybody else. Go right. And, go and kill the penguin. Right. Go, okay. go and kill Bane because they're going to, because the repercussions are the same. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, in terms of the character of Batman and just in terms of you know as a justification in general yeah because again you might as well you might as well just do that for everybody then there's then you would have Injustice 3 Batman go bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah but see to me is and this is the one thing that um, this is the one thing that part of that article the first part of the article really brings up yeah uh, the second part uh, of that article talks about whether or not it's right to kill animals uh, animal right. rights and stuff like that. Right. But uh, when I when I get into that part, that's too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another two episodes. That's a, yeah. yeah <laughs> but uh, the one thing that it brings up is it. Batman, um, how 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 would I word this? So there. Okay. So the idea is that uh, killing is wrong, right? Right. But the argument here is if if Batman doesn't kill the Joker, yeah, then Batman is indirectly killing the people. Who are the result of Joker being free and killing? Okay. Because, because Batman doesn't pull the trigger to kill the Joker when he knows the Joker is going to be out to kill people. Now let's say let's take this particular instance. Uh, Batman sees that the Joker is killing everyone in in, uh, in in Gotham. Okay. Right. So Joker has his goons line up a bunch of families in in Crime Alley to trigger that trauma. Right. Um, so he's killing off these families yeah. and Batman is seeing this happen so he has a choice to make if he doesn't kill the Joker then Joker kills everyone else right and those deaths are on Batman's inaction so essentially through that through that sort of disconnect Batman is, has killed the citizens of Gotham hmm. or condemning them to death yeah right so when using the argument whether or not killing is wrong I, I believe in this case, you can't. That argument is just not there. Killing the idea of killing is wrong is moot. Because he either way he's killing, either directly or indirectly. Mm, I don't know. I can't. I can't wholeheartedly agree with that. Because then, like, then you gotta think of that in, in other situations, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's say for example, you go to a grocery store. Right. Uh, chicken breast is on sale. Okay. There's one more stack of chicken breast. Right. You you go and buy it. Mm-hmm. Another family comes. There's no more chicken breast. And then their family starves. 
the the next day and then they somehow die then that's on you because you bought the chicken breast <laughs> okay but <laughs> you see what i mean but like, okay the ex- not- okay victor the example you're giving me is chicken breast if you're gonna go to a supermarket to buy chicken breast you can buy other things okay no but you get what i'm trying to say though right it's like it's uh... you know what i mean like it's you can't control anything beyond what you can do right but do you get what i mean right, right but is that justification for inaction Let's say, let's say, um, let's take history. Okay. Um, let's say you you can go back, and you can you you have the perfect assassination plan, and you can take out Hitler. Okay. Do you do it? See, that's another tricky question right. now because now you have to think about because you're talking about one person to save the lives of I think three or four, the millions. You're talking about millions. We're not even yeah. just talking not. You know, we're talking about the Jewish people that died in the Holocaust. We're talking about soldiers that have died on both sides, right? We're talking millions, right? But would the world be better because we we killed Hitler? We have no way of knowing. Right. Right? I mean, yeah, we could kill Hitler and we can save those millions and millions of lives. But we could come back to a timeline where all other countries end up at war again somehow because they never allied together during World War Two. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like it's point, yeah. it's 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 hard to say that that doing something like that would be beneficial. Yeah, you're saving the lives of millions at that moment. Yeah, but you could be ruining the lives of more millions in the future. You have no way of knowing. Right? Of course, no way of knowing, which is why you can take it as an isolated incident. Yeah. Right. So if you take it as an isolation, then what? Then isn't that the justification you need? Right, because if you if you don't take into consideration the things that happen afterwards, because let's face it, you're right, you can't tell what happens afterwards. Yeah. But if you know that choice A and choice B will make that difference, choice A being kill this person, save a few million. Choice B being don't kill this person, save the future, but these millions die. Right. In that in that moment, when you take that isolation of a of choices, yeah. Then wouldn't you make the choice to say that regardless of not killing is wrong? you've made the correct choice or you've made a better choice difficult to say again man yeah like it's it's hard to it's hard to make a decision decision like that without taking into account the stuff that we already know right do you know what so I mean? so for me is i think when i read this book the reason why i really wanted to bring this up was because yeah. whether or not batman killed the joker yeah that world was doomed right people right? are dying anyway people are gonna die anyways yeah you don't know whether or not Batman was going to trigger that toxin. Right. Right. So the the toxin part is the later part, which I we can't confirm nor deny. Yeah. We can't see coming. Yeah. The choice at that moment is Batman kills the Joker, saves all those other families. Batman doesn't kill the Joker. Joker continues to kill the rest of Gotham. Right. And maybe just to try to trigger Batman, goes on and tries to kill and end the world. Right. Right. And it's superhero comics, so essentially any villain can just go and end the world. Yeah. Right. So in that particular instance, if you don't take into consider into consideration what happens afterwards with the whole toxin and Batman going nuts and, and then him himself ending the world, I believe that Batman made the correct choice in killing the Joker. Okay. It's not I mean, you're not wrong, right? But the other the other side of things is what what made this time so different in comparison to the other times that Joker was killing people? 
at you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that's the that's the difficult part mark, yeah. to mark too, right? Because and that's the difficult part in Batman's character. Yeah, because his he's so highly he has such a high moral compass. Like yeah, he he just he doesn't want to cross that line. Yeah, he doesn't want to cross the line into killing because he knows it'll lead him down a rep. Like now this is a. This is a very literal. It's a very him. extreme case. Yeah, very extreme <laughs> case of him going down a dark path. But I think in general, Batman doesn't kill because he he knows he's gonna go down that dark path. Right. But um, but with Batman, I I don't know. Like I think in this particular instance, it's because maybe the Joker was killing and orphaning kids essentially. Yeah. Right? He, he was killing families and sending him sending every family through the same trauma as Batman. So yeah, yeah, maybe that's what just ticked him off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I mean, all these hypothetical situations are so difficult to answer. Yeah. I mean, not only because of our personal different views, but also because of it's circumstantial too. Right. right? Like it's just like right, right, right. You, you you can't say one way is right or the other way is right. So yeah. I I mean, unfortunately, I think regardless of whether he killed Joker or not, because of how the fate of what this universe was is was supposed to be mm-hmm. he was probably going to end up being the batman who laughs anyway one way or another yeah yeah right? for sure so. just right just you know becoming the joker who laughs <laughs>, <laughs> did i say the joker who laughs no batman you said batman i said joker oh, okay because <laughs> <laughs> to me it actually felt more like joker who laughs because joker just takes over him right yeah yeah you actually at the end see very little of batman very it's, little Batman. yeah it's very much joker taking over oh yeah right Whereas in all the other iterations, you can still see Batman. You can yeah. still sense the the justice that he's trying to bring for his world. Yeah, right. There is a level of justice to yeah. those characters, regardless of how contrary they're actually. Exactly. Seen. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Because they believe that there was a sense of justice to what they were doing. Exactly. This yeah. guy is just just going out and he's just killing nuts. for fun. Yeah, so it's just a joke. <laughs> Let me just make more uh, weird robins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still so weird. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I know there's a couple of things you wanted to bring up as well. Um, um, I I mean I know this discussion has has run a little long so far. Yeah, but that's okay. But that's okay. um, but there is one big point that I, that right. I really want to make, and that's stems from uh, what the Batman who laughs says right at the beginning of the issue when he says uh, but then another card comes and changes the meaning of the entire hand Mm -hmm. and there's no way to know what's going to happen next and to me that not only sums up uh, this issue and, and what it's all about it also sums up the Joker as a character right because you never know what that guy's gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, like you throw Joker in the mix of anything, and that story can go sideways in like a million different ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and again, let's go back to um, that instance when uh, when he kills the Bat family. Completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Completely unexpected. Yeah. Right? Like they didn't expect it. We didn't expect it. And that completely changes the course of the story because then we know at that point, man, for sure, there's no coming back from this guy. Yeah, there's course, no yeah. coming back for this guy. We expected Batman to overcome it, right? But we, we throw in that Joker card, it's done. Yeah, I said there's no coming back from this. Yeah, right? and yeah, it was completely takes him out of his normal character. Right, right, normal, normal situation. Yeah, so. and you know we've, and you know this is probably the most relatable thing that any Dark Knight has ever said in any issue. 
the most relatable thing because we've all had instances in our lives where we think everything is in place and that things are going to go a certain way and then something unexpected happens and it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, you know, again, we can go back to World War II as an example, right? Uh, when it really seemed like at the time that the Nazi regime was really going to take over and win the war, they they go ahead and decide to bomb Pearl Harbor or Japan did. And then, and then the U.S. decided to come and join the Allied forces and completely change the tides of the war. Yeah. Right? So, again, same thing for for when uh, the, the Nazis were there. They thought they had everything in place. And then the U.S. is like, nah, we're, we're coming in. We're busting your door open. <laughs> and it changed the, the, the course of the war. Like, me and you could very much be speaking German as a, as a, as a first language right now. Yeah, yeah, that's you, true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, it yeah. wasn't for the fact that the U.S. joined the war. We could be living that alternate universe. Wolfenstein's always... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wolfenstein's touting. And because and because the U.S. entered the war, Canada entered the war too. Yeah. Right? So a lot of forces came with that, and that completely changed the tide of the war. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one question that I wanted to bring up for discussion is, you know, do you have an example of this in your personal life where, you know everything was seemingly well thought out and then something unexpected happens and changes everything. Uh, I mean, there's minor examples. Uh, yeah. The major ones, I, I off the top of my head, there there are there are most likely some, but yeah. um, the minor examples are like, uh, well, just when you're like, if you leave the house and you try to get somewhere. Yeah. Right? And then you hit a snag somewhere in traffic. Yeah. Then and it just becomes Murphy's law. Yeah, <laughs> where just everything happens. Yeah, and then it just takes you completely out of it. Yeah, right. Um, and the one thing you know is like when you drive down the street, uh, when you hit one red light, it's over. It's done. You hit one red light, everything else is red lights. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you're done if you hit one. But if you yeah. somehow power through it, you're good. Yeah, you know, hopefully there's no cops around. You power through it and you're good. Yeah. So the but that's just like a really minor example, right, of something yeah. that would happen like that. Um. Yeah, but that's that's why I said that this statement is it's so relatable, right? Because it's happened to everybody at some point, whether it's something big or something small, it doesn't matter, right? It's it's happened to us. Yeah. Right? And you know, I mean, of course, this is a very extreme example in this issue. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but but I find it's the most relatable one in my opinion. Right, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh so I, I mean, that's that's all I've got for in terms of main points. Uh is there anything else that you sort of wanted to bring up? Uh for myself, I, I, yeah, I think I think for me the biggest thing was talking about whether or not killing is wrong. That 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 is sort of what I ended my point on. <laughs> well, that was like fifteen minutes, like thirty minutes of our time. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that was like know. you know, I mean that. But again, that's why we slotted this particular episode for this issue. Yeah, because we knew yeah. these heavy topics were gonna, were going to come from this as well. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, but uh, I think we still got we still got a little bit of time. You know what? There's something that you brought up. That I wanted to talk about, and it was talking about moral freedom. Moral freedom, yes, and about moral agent power. Right. Yeah. Um, so just to go into a little bit uh, into that, moral freedom can be described as a person's capacity to select acts, right, um, and therefore really take ownership over the decisions they make and the things they decide to do. Right. Right. So, I mean, I mean to put it in simple terms deciding what to do based on what's right and what's wrong is more freedom. 
Okay. Right? We have nothing that restricts us other than what's right and what's wrong. Right? Um, for the most part, it's largely dictated by our personal feelings. Okay. But it's also dictated by the moral agent's power. Okay. So our ability to be able to do the thing that we think is right as opposed to the alternative. Okay. Right? So um, let's let's take um, uh, that beginning scene where Batman and Joker are going at it. Right? Or, well, not really going at it. Batman was tied up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when... Let's use those two as an example, right? I mean, when you really think about it, Batman and Joker are this are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Right? Joker and Batman both have all the resources they need to do whatever they want. So they're not restricted by anything, right? So the actions that they decide to take is based on their own personal moral views of what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's not always the case for everybody. Right. So another sort of discussion I wanted to sort of bring up is are there any situations that we would decide to do one way only because we're restricted by resources? But as soon as we get the resources that we need, would you do it another way? Right. So let me okay, let's make it let's make it a simpler question. Let's let's go back to the the Hitler example. Right. Right? Um, we we all know that killing is wrong, right? You can, you, I mean, every time we, we hear something in the news, what we always say, oh, killing is wrong, it's no good, I would never do that mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? Yeah. But if you were given the resources to go back in time and take out Hitler, would you do it? Well, yeah, actually, that, that ties pretty much directly into what exactly. I was saying. Exactly, it ties earlier, directly right? yeah. into your earlier point. Um. Yeah, I think given the resources, is then you would have to consider whether or not th- does killing is wrong take effect. Right? Yeah, because you're el- you're eliminating the lesser of evils. Right, and that's yeah. the that's the whole thing with the moral agent's power. We can't do that because we don't have the power or resources to do that. Right. So we just have to sit back and say, well, what he did was wrong. Killing is wrong. Right. But then, as if we had the resources to do it and we have the resources to go back and kill him, then we essentially contradict what we say right. by killing him and, and, yeah, exactly, and taking yeah. him out, right? Yeah. Because we think that what we're doing is right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like your moral code is really... Your moral code is, is as far as what you're capable of doing. Exactly. Right? So if you're not, if you're not capable of carrying out the action, yeah. then you will always take the morally just course. Yeah. But... If you're now given the power to do it, yeah, then it, it compromises what you consider to be morally just. Exactly, because then you can do something about it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's basically it's it's the battle between what you can, uh, what you can do versus what you want to do. Right. Right. And and I got a lot of that from this issue. Yeah. Right. I mean, just yeah. just that dichotomy between Batman and Joker very apparent. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought this point up because. Yeah. It goes really hand in hand with whether or not we consider killing it being wrong. Yeah. Right. Because, for me, in in this particular case, if I'm in Batman's shoes and I have the capabilities to do it, first of all, if I have the capabilities to just bust out of restraints like that, <laughs> you know, what am I doing? <laughs> but 
Um, just just the fact that he busts out of it and he had the capability to do it, right? Yeah. At that point, it's not even really even about whether or not killing is wrong because right. that point is moved because he's indirectly killing whatever comes after, right? He's he's had a hand in it. I I yeah. still stick by that. Yeah, I mean I don't stick by that. Point I really don't. Long, but I completely agree with that. I but, know, <laughs> but you know we can agree to disagree on that. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> no, but it is true. I do believe. I do believe that killing is wrong. But I, but depending on this point, with the whole uh, moral agent's power, right? It does put that into perspective again, because really, what we consider being wrong with the moral code and like you know things like that is really because we we can't surpass that yeah right so we don't have the capabilities to 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 move past that so yeah. that we say okay yeah it's wrong but yeah given the opportunity i don't know <laughs> right and that that's that's the big moral quandary here yeah moral of the stories don't give jerry any resources oh my god he never you this this is the jerry who laughs guys <laughs> victor stop <laughs> i'm an okay guy <laughs> so so jerry any uh any sort of final thoughts on this issue um i re- i really liked it yeah i think it 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 shows us the one thing that we've always thought won't happen but yeah. may happen yeah which is whether or not batman is going to cross the line and right. if he's going to cross the line this would be the person he crosses the line on yeah um and it gives us a and it gives us a look into what would happen to the universe should he cross that line right and to me is it's one of the most grounded approach compared to the other compared to the other um the other tie-ins because in the other tie-ins he he always somehow receives some just godlike abilities yeah or he he receives powers that amplifies his inner sense for justice yeah. right and this issue is just there was no powers there was nothing it was just something that corrupted him it was like a substance that corrupted him right yeah and like, like, that's well, sorry go on yeah no no sorry, sorry yeah so what I was gonna say is it's just to add to your point Jerry what makes us so what makes this issue so good is that you can actually see this happening Right. In any timeline you can actually see this happening. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And and you know, in the um in the T V show they, they did a, an episode on that that was similar to this. Um and I think they might have done it maybe one or two more other times in other mediums. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I remember a, a situation like this uh very vividly from the animated series way back. Right. So you can actually see this happening in and and that's why I think this issue is the best one out of all of them. I think so. Yeah, and it's uh, it coupled by just really good writing. James Tynion has a pretty good grasp of Batman. I yeah, think. Um, he's been writing Batman for for a bit now. Yeah, you know, on Detective Comics, but yeah. uh, with the with the good writing, superb art, mm-hmm. and just the lettering really, really adding to the storytelling too. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah, it was so well done. Yeah, so well done, and I I do think that. This this is why we we really decided to dedicate a a, a segment to it because yeah. we yeah we just kept we just there's not there's you can keep talking about this book forever yeah there's so many things to cover there are yeah. probably a few things we haven't covered either but yeah well, unfortunately but then, we can't but do then them that all, right? is just yeah. time right? so, <laughs> exactly yeah what about you um other than the points that I mentioned just a little bit earlier uh again fantastic issue really enjoyed it I think this was my favorite one to read out of all of them definitely the most difficult to sort of dissect 
Yeah. Because you don't really get much of it from the face value of things, right? Right. Like you read it once and you're like, okay, like it's just Batman turning into the Joker, right? Right. But then after you read it two or three times and you start sort of picking up at more of like the 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 philosophical things that pop up from this issue, it gets really deep. And then at some point it go you just don't have enough time to be able to process everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we don't have enough time to process everything right now. So we're just going with the main points. Yeah. Uh but you know, again, like you said, the the artwork was fantastic. Uh and I think I think to me one of the highlights is is the lettering. Yeah. That's that's one of the highlights to me because it, it creates a very distinct transition between when when we see Batman losing his moral code mm-hmm. and then when he fully becomes the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Uh, to me, that was my favorite part. Yeah. Very smooth transition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think that about covers everything we wanted to talk about for this book, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we're going to move on to our to our final segment, which is the Offerings to Dark Side. Offerings to Dark Side. Offerings to Dark Side. <laughs> And we're at the offerings to Dark Side. Uh, this segment, normally, what we do is we find something that is outside of the world of comics, something that is outside the world of coffee, and we offer it up as a suggestion to you. There's something that we think you might like, or something that we hope you might like. Uh, for this week, uh, my offering to Dark Side is a video game on the PS4. I'm not sure if it's on other systems, but I only have a PS4, so it's a game called. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? So, uh, I know a couple of weeks back I started. I was talking about how I had a whole bunch of single player games just sort of queued up yeah. in my downloads. So, <laughs> I started to clear some of them up, and this was um, one of the first few games I wanted to to really get into, to finish, and to experience. And I gotta tell you, it is a really good game so far. Oh, it's very really? fun. It's um, it, it tells you. It's it's one of those games that's kind of like what they call like a walking simulator. Okay. So like uh, you go, you just go through the story, go through the motions, and then you go through different people's stories from that family, from right. the uh, Finch family. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's um, it, it it's pretty emotional. It uh, it puts you through the highs and lows of the different people in the family. Do and you it, cry every time? No, not every time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. It is. It, it it gives you an insight about the things that were happening. And there's yeah. some of the stories where it's just like, it really tugs at you, uh-huh. right? And there's so many really cool things that are happening in the Finch house yeah. that um, has me just sort of be like, oh, that's that's really that's really elaborate. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really fun game. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do have a PS4, I would suggest uh, downloading What Remains of Edith Finch. Cool. What about you, Victor? Uh, my recommendation, recommendation, sorry for this week, um, is going to be the uh, Baruto Next Generations anime. Uh, now, here's the thing: I normally wouldn't have recommended this anime, uh, but they've finally, after 50 episodes in, uh, they've caught up to where the movie uh, ended off, and the movie came out like three years ago. So, <laughs> so they finally <laughs> okay. caught up to where it is uh, for uh, old Naruto fans. Uh, you know, this would be a good point to sort of come in and, and sort of continue that story. Um, I would actually recommend watching the movie first and then uh, start watching the anime from here on out uh, because they're pretty close to, to starting where the movie ended off. Um, 
And for uh, anime fans that haven't watched Naruto before, um, again, I think this is a, a good time to start as well because then you're not watching 50 episodes of filler. Right, yeah, right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, same thing. You can watch the movie first and then start off where the anime is and uh, I think you'd be good to go. Okay, that's that's always really good because I think the biggest fear with watching a lot of anime is um, you don't know you don't know how to jump in because there's just so many, right? Yeah. So the commitment is really big. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's good. What was it called again? Uh, Baruto Next Generations. Next Generations. Okay. Yeah. Or okay. Next Generation without the S. <laughs> okay. Next, okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll probably end up trying it. There's other things I want to try too. Main, yeah. na- namely, I want to, I want to do Dragon Ball Super. Oh man! Fun <laughs> last two episodes, man. Like this I week know, is the second last episode. So. Yeah, so we, I gotta well, I gotta well, I gotta ways to catch up. You have a week to well, I like I mentioned earlier, you can watch, um, you can watch Battle of Gods, okay, and then you can watch Resurrection of F, and then you can essentially skip the first like almost fifty episodes. And so it all can, gets recapped. It all gets recapped in the anime. So then you can watch those two movies and then uh, watch the the show from there. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably end up doing that because uh, I don't know if I'll have. I don't know if I'll be able to go through all those episodes. Yeah. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think that about wraps up the offerings to Dark Side. So anyway, and I think that pretty much wraps up our show. Yeah. Um, I know we ran a little bit long today, but uh, the I think it was good that we, we spent some time on the issue. Yeah. That, that yeah. book is really, it's I'm, a heavy book. It's a heavy book. It's a heavy book. And but it does garner some good discussions. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. some of the things we get out of it, it's really open-ended. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyways, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show, uh, about whether uh, you know whether you agree or disagree with some of the things we said uh, about what we talked about, or if you have a book for a future discussion that you want us to talk about on the show, uh, you can email us at contact at darkrosecomics.com. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics. Uh, if you want to reach myself or Victor personally, it's twitter.com slash otterlykiki for myself and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my colleague Victor. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash darkrosecomics as well. Um, and as always, take care. Bye. Bye.